0: Hey, 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 yeah, it's me, your host, Meg. Peep, peep, poop, poop, peep, poo. Lewis. And welcome back to Overtime, buddy. You probably knew this already, but this is Dribble's Weekly Podcast where I, me, deliver design news and give you the tips you need to create your best work. This week on Overtime, I learned that bopping into a Zoom room full of silent people is a thing that actually isn't awkward. Plus, a bunch of artists doodled on toilet paper and donated a bunch of money. Ooh, and Eric Friedenson stops by to talk about murals, walls, murals on walls, murals on walls outside, murals on walls inside, murals on pieces of paper, murals on boards, murals on on hot dogs, murals on my hand, murals on your hand, murals on our hands that are six feet away from each other. Oh, and I get a bunch of calls on our hotline and it makes me cry. And then I play one for you and give you my thoughts on how we can make things unrelated to COVID, but sensitive to COVID. Take your career to the next level by showing your prospective clients just how awesome you are by making your personal website with a personalized domain name. Having a personalized domain name will make you stand out of the crowd and let your audience and clients recognize your brand. So whether you decide on yourname.me or use a well-known alias like uh, bingbong.me... .me Domain is uniquely positioned to help you create a captivating online persona that's a direct reflection of you. .me is trusted by almost a million people and businesses worldwide, including, including some pretty amazing designers. So don't you think it's time for you to join them? First up for news, we have a wonderful article that I truly enjoyed from The Guardian about muted Zooms that are now a thing. So the Guardian article is titled, Why Silent Zooms Are Golden for Focusing the Mind. And hey, why is not anybody invited me to their silent Zooms yet? Come on. But apparently, uh, Guardian says, quote, research shows that during periods of stress, we see significant decline in our ability to hold information in focus, but having a Accountability partners is a proven way to boost success. And of course, that makes total sense. Um, we're all stressed out. We are not able to focus. doey, And having people hold us accountable helps. Yeah. And so I guess what people are doing is they are holding basically open rooms of, for Zoom calls where everybody's muted the whole time. So you pop in, you wave at everybody, and then you just put your head down and get to work. And I guess the idea is that you know people can see you, so it makes you feel like you need to work harder or something. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like going to a coffee shop and working in the school computer lab. I remember whenever I was in the school computer lab, I was so stressed out about anybody knowing what I was looking at or designing or doing on my screen. So I was just hyper vigilant of everything I did. (laughs) And I guess that maybe, you know what, I've never had a full-time job before in an office, so I don't know what that's like. (laughs) But I imagine that's what working in an actual physical office with an open floor plan is probably like, right? Yeah. But... I think the reason why I'm a little apprehensive personally about muted Zoom calls, um, virtual coworking... Because I know for a fact that while I'm working on my computer, I make very weird faces. I am an extremely emotive person, and I wish you could see the faces that I'm making right now um, because there are a lot. I'm crossing my eyes, I have 16 chins because I'm pushing my head back into my neck. And uh, that happens while I'm surfing the web, while I'm designing, all kinds of stuff. I react visually with my face to what I'm designing or writing about or reading. So. I'm a little scared for the rest of the world or the rest of his room of Zoom people, Zoomy Zoom room. I'm worried about them having to watch that and see that in real time because it's not pretty. Um, But I also don't want people calling it out every time I'm making a weird face. I don't know. Maybe it's good for me. It probably is. I'm talking myself into it. Okay, but there's also a company called Focusmate, which this is what they do. They do this thing called virtual co-working. Theirs aren't silent. It's more like an accountability partner thing. Um, but they say that virtual coworking actually boosts productivity by 200 to 300%. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting like some actual PTSD from percentages and numbers right now. So even reading 200 to 300% And seeing those numbers on my screen is like, I assume we're talking about the virus and we're not. (laughs) Oh boy. I'm going to have a real hard time looking at charts in future years. Let me just tell you that right now. But the thing, back to Zoom calls and silence and virtual coworking, the cute, the absolutely adorable, cute thing about the silent Zoom rooms is that book lovers are using it for silent reading sessions, which I love. So you know that feeling of going to the public library or going to a Barnes and Noble, may she rest in peace, I assume. I Like Barnes and Noble isn't gonna recover from this, right? I don't know, maybe they will. You know they're like the cockroach of businesses, so maybe they'll be fine. Um, But you know the feeling of going there and just opening up a book and being with other people that are also looking at books and it just feels cozy and nice. And I love the concept that people are doing that through Zoom. You just pop in, you're muted, they're muted, you wave at them, and then you open your book and you read while you see other people reading. And if you're kind of like me and you like watching people, I love to watch people. If you see me in person sometime, which you probably never will again. Oh, that's so pessimistic. Um, If you see me in person, ask me about the time that... I kept staying at the same hotel in in New York because they were giving me the same room over and over again. And I got to watch a baby grow up and become a child. Um, And they gave me that room on purpose because they knew I liked watching the baby. (laughs) It's a great story. I gave you most of it. That was a spoiler. But I love watching people. So maybe I love watching these virtual co-working sessions, you know, or maybe I'll just become a Zoom bomber. Mm, I don't know how to do that. For our second news story, (laughs) a couple of Dutch artists launched a website and, uh, you know, like a community project called Give a Sheet, which I believe is a toilet paper sheet slash, (laughs) that is a tongue twister, toilet paper sheet slash shit reference so give instead of give a shit it's give a sheet because you're giving a toilet paper sheet just one it's not that helpful for someone who just had an explosion um wow I am trailing off into weird places okay so give a sheet is where artists have gone and donated a single sheet of toilet paper with an original piece of art on it so you get a lot of multimedia experiences here well I guess there's one media it's toilet paper but it's always like ink on toilet paper or thread on toilet paper or soft kisses on toilet paper. I don't think that's a thing. Um, That's probably what I would do though. Give it some soft kisses. mmm, And Artists have uh, designed and created a single sheet of toilet paper and then allowing the general public to come on and pick an amount and uh, purchase that sheet of toilet paper with whatever amount they choose. And the prices I've noticed range between 25 and $250. But I mean, long story short is that you can't have any of the toilet paper because it's sold out. But my point is here, They've given all the money that they made from all these sold out pieces of toilet paper. Yet another place we can't get toilet paper. They've given all the money toward um, a, a organization called the COVID Solitary Response Fund for the WHO. And I just, I wanted to talk about this because I think it is such a great example of utilizing your abilities as a creative to do some good and to um, give money where money needs to be given, especially if you're like me and every other freelancer, every other artist out there who's struggling, who's lost a lot of work, um, might be on unemployment. This is a great idea for you to help donate some money if you don't otherwise have money, is use your brain, your amazing creativity-focused brain, and create something and then have other people buy it. And then that money goes to another thing. And of course, we're humans living in a tragic world. There is no shortage of causes we can donate money to. So it doesn't have to even be COVID specific. It could be towards any cause you like. This is a great tip for doing good. You know, when I think about talented artists, a lot of people come to mind, but whenever I think about murals specifically, there's one person I know that has a lot more experience than most people because he is just an incredible hand lettering artist and a good digital artist first and foremost, but he's also an incredible fine artist who has spent a lot of time with artists all over the world who also make murals, studying the way that they work and collaborating along with them. It's Eric Friedenson. Hey, Eric, how are you?
1: Hey, Meg, I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing okay. I am, you know what, I'm getting used to being stuck inside all the time. So welcome. I, you know what I want to talk to you about today is murals for a variety of reasons, but You have had such an interesting career to me, and we've known each other for a few years now. And the thing I love so much about your career is you're so interdisciplinary, like your work spans so many different media, and whether you're painting or making digital design work, it's all so good. And especially the last few years, you live in New York now, but you were living in Latin America, and seeing you branch out and become so supportive of, of other artists and creatives while you were there was amazing because I got a lot of inspiration, but I could also see a lot of inspiration happening for your own work. So take us through like a little explanation of how you got to where you are right now.
1: Well, first of all, thank you. That was a, a really nice little summary. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really crazy ride the last few years, especially with the whole Latin America trip. Uh, but the way I got to where i 'm at right now with my career, if I had to summarize it, is I studied graphic design, typical graphic design degree in philadelphia it wasn 't a fancy art school or anything, and I kind of had this specific idea of what a gra- graphic designer had to be and The more I tried to get those types of jobs, the more I realized I really hate these jobs and there 's nothing really out there for me that I feel like I fit, so I started to try new things on my own outside of these full time jobs that I was getting and freelancing, trying different side projects. And then I kind of had this niche of lettering. That was my main thing when I started. As soon as the big popular wave of lettering was happening, that led me to trying to draw letters on a larger scale. I was working for an agency at the time and they had this big chalkboard and I would just go and go crazy at night after hours and make these chalk murals, hoping that one day somebody would hire me to make a mural. And I would invite friends in to collaborate with me on this chalk wall. And uh, after that, I had this need to, I had this desire to create more permanent pieces because the event agency was great for getting my work on a large scale, but a lot of that stuff will get thrown into the trash two days later. So that was how I started having the curiosity to paint murals. And I was also seeing the, the sign painting trends start to take off again. And there was something about working by hand. Even though I had studied graphic design, I always had this desire mm. to take my letter forms and my illustrations and see it in a physical space. Uh, and so after leaving that event agency and trying my best to freelance and get some clients, I still wasn't doing that well. I I got approached by WeWork where I had about three and a half years of working with them on the art and graphics team. And that was what led me to Latin America and doing murals on on a, like a global scale.
0: It's so amazing and inspiring because I think that you have a very fascinating mix between like street art style. And I think that your love of skateboarding comes into that a lot. Um but also you've been paid commercially to make really like grungy gritty hands-on work and i think that's really an interesting thing to me about murals in general is murals in the past have always been like not very commercial it's just been like you get up And you go out at three or four in the morning and you pop something up on a wall and hope nobody catches you. And then you go back to bed. And and now what's happening with murals is commercial artists are like, ooh, I can do this now. And I think that that's an interesting thing about your work versus what's happening right now with design is that there's like this... And I don't know if there's tension or not, or if there's room for everybody, but there's like this uh, wonderful mixture and play between murals as street art versus murals as commercial art. Do you think that there is tension between those two groups, or do you think there's room for everyone?
1: Personally, I think there's room for everyone, but I can tell you a little story about how I did feel like I was getting pushed into some category that I didn't really identify with, as if. The street artists or the graffiti artists were labeling me and saying, you know, your work doesn't belong on this on this area or whatever. There's also a difference between interior murals and exterior murals. With interior murals, you're painting in offices or stores. I don't think that the graffiti and street art world has much of a problem with, a, with designers and illustrators doing that. It's more when we get in, into the public realm outdoors, and it feels like there is, a, even though... I like to say there's no limited supply of walls. Every building has more <laughs> walls. <laughs> but there is sometimes a limited supply of mural projects, outdoors, big, large-scale projects that have a budget. So there is competition for that. But I think one experience that I had when I was when I went to Miami and I was at Wynwood Walls, which is like the street art capital of the world, basically, and I was doing a temporary mural there. And someone was showing around some tourists, giving them a little tour of the area and saying, yeah... They don't really like art school types coming here. And I took that as my work is too playful and abstract and graphic to fit in with the rest of what was going on. I already felt that way just looking around at some of the other art there. My work doesn't fit in here. But I think that it's that beautiful mix that makes murals such a cool thing, how every every artist will have their own interpretation of what they want to use the space for. And so there is room for everybody, in my opinion, and there are enough walls to go around.
0: That's an interesting comment about there are no shortage of walls. And two, I think that you're you're talking a little bit about a sore spot for you where you feel like you don't belong in that community in the first place. So then, and of course, we all feel that way about every community we're ever trying to get into. <laughs> but I think that you heard a comment that was already like poking at a sore spot that you were having. And of course (laughs) you're going to take it super personally. Um, whereas, I'm sure, well, who knows, but I'm sure that most people um, don't care about that as much as you do. And I think it's really nice if your work doesn't fit in because we all need to look at all kinds of different work everywhere we go. It's what helps change our perspective. But so I think too, like one thing I love about you and your career so far is how much you're constantly supporting other artists all the time. It's such a huge part of your personality and your persona and so and I I feel like from following you for so long is it really happened while you were at WeWork and during your time in Latin America and so it seems to me like maybe you're moving on to more things in which you can finally support and lift up other artists.
1: (laughs) Yes I'm so excited to talk about this with you. (laughs) Um, So real, real quick about the Latin America thing I lived in Argentina for a couple of years, and I got to travel around mostly in Mexico and Colombia and then a few other countries, Peru, Chile, and Brazil. I haven't been everywhere in Latin America, but I have a, a real big soft spot for South America and Mexico, and I've met so many amazing people down there. And I just started having these conversations, uh, getting to hire them for different projects because we weren't just painting our own artwork on these locations in, in WeWork. We were also hiring local artists, and we actually had a good budget to pay them, which was awesome. And... You know, I had these amazing conversations with them and I said, I need to record these just for myself. I need to remember these. And then, oh, maybe, maybe someone else can get some value out of this too. Because I really learned so much about what it takes to be a mural artist. Just these people are so interesting to me. They have all of these amazing stories from their different projects and their travels. And um, they're just working on such a large scale that we don't even think about that as designers when we're always just at our desk. And I think it just provided me with a lot of inspiration. And I want to continue to pass that on to whatever community follows me. <laughs> so w- what I'm working on right now is a new project called the Muralists Community. And at a high level, we're going to be producing some content that fuses storytelling, like I was just mentioning, with education about murals. And that's going to be launching later this summer. Uh, right now, it exists on Instagram at muralists. Yes, I got the handle muralists. You're so
0: lucky! Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, it was a crazy story about that too for another day. (laughs) But I I also was able to get muralist.co. So if you want to check out the content they're producing, there's going to be a podcast. Speaking of podcast, and so you can go listen to the trailer at muralist.co and follow along there at muralists.
0: So what's what besides showcasing other artists? What's happening? Is there like tutorials? Are you going to talk about what? types of brushes they use like what can we expect
1: I can't get too much into the the balance of technical versus storytelling and entertaining because I want to find whatever balance people are really enjoying mm, I, nice. I want to do both but I found that when I get too technical I just get flooded with all these questions of what kind of paint do you use and the answer is use whatever paint you want you know house paint works great like literally just go to the hardware store and get paint it's not that's not what I want it to be is it's not a, a how to for the entire project to how to paint a mural. It's more of inspiring, uplifting and educational.
0: That's awesome. How would you say muralists and uh, I mean, street artists, even if you're working commercially or not, how, how is everybody doing in that community in this time of isolation?
1: Well, I can't speak for the entire muralist community, <laughs> but I don't want to try to, but I can tell you how I'm handling it and how I've seen a few of my friends handling it. Uh, as a commercial mural artist, I had a lot of plans for this year, and I was and a lot of my work is based on travel too, and you have to be there physically. so a lot of those projects ended up getting canceled or postponed there 's even a mural festival that was supposed to be happening right now that is pushed Aww. until September and I did the design and everything uh, and it 's pushed until september we 'll see if that happens in September. I hope it does uh, what i 've been doing instead is focusing on my other parts of my business in terms of my income, doing digital illustration projects. Uh, I started a Patreon about one of those projects. And that's the way I'm handling it from a business side. But from a creative side, I'm excited to get back to New York City uh, in in a couple days. And I'll have my studio. I'll be painting murals there, just practicing and filming some murals myself. And then some, some of my friends, what I've seen them doing is they'll actually go out and find boarded up businesses that are closing down. And they'll paint positive messages for the essential workers that are out there right now still going out. And this is happening in New York City. I've seen a few friends in Canada also doing this. And, you know, you have to go out at your own risk and, and take all the precautions. But I think this is a great initiative. And one more cool thing that I saw happening was that uh, Pangea Seed, which is a nonprofit, they have a, a mural festival called Seawalls. They decided to do an at-home mural festival where they encourage <laughs> people to paint a mural in your own home and document and share the process. And any artist can get involved. I think it's just now finishing, but hopefully the initiative continues. and they'll be promoting that, uh, as long as we're stuck at home.
0: I, oh my gosh, I love that so much. I think I've been wanting to paint more murals at home because I can control that. That's something that I can do right now. And it's fast and, and, uh, it requires no one else. (laughs) Um, but I think that's a really good point that you made about fixating and putting your focus on the areas of your career that you can control right now. Um, and I think that's great advice for everybody to take as well. So thank you so much for being here today, Eric. How can everybody find you on the internet?
1: Thanks for having me, Meg. My Instagram is fdot, just E-F-D-O-T. So you can follow along with my work there. And then of course the muralists account. So that's just at muralists on Instagram and muralists.co.
0: All right. Thanks, Eric. Okay. So... I want to talk about something, um, different and it's about the hotline, but not really about the hotline. So you remember a couple of weeks ago, I begged and pleaded for you to call the hotline and you are good little, uh, podcast listeners because you did. And you know, I was not begging for compliments, I promise, but everyone called and left such beautiful voicemails and said such beautiful things about me and the podcast and, On this particular day, when I'm recording this podcast, I actually really wasn't going to record it today. I didn't want to because, um, to be honest, I have a dad that has dementia and my dad, um, most of my days are good. As you know, you know my personality, you know who I am, but every so often things happen with him that are really terrible. And he lives on his own he i am his carer i'm his family member that looks after him that gives him financial support it's a tough time and i can't he lives in a different state so i can't visit him and it's hard and i went and logged in and listened to the voicemails that you all have left for me and they were so beautiful and there were so many amazing you said so many wonderful things about the podcast and about me And I just listened to them, and I sobbed, and I cried, and you all just picked me back up, and you reminded me exactly why I do this work. You reminded me exactly what my purpose is in this world, is to make the world a happier place, and so I do this for you to make you feel a little bit better for just a little bit of your day, but please know that you also have given something back to me and you have changed the course of my day. So it made me feel amazing and it allowed me to record the podcast today. Yeehaw! Um, but I'm gonna play one of these voicemails for you and it's not a compliment fest about Meg Lewis, but in fact, it's a great thought and a great point and a great question. So I will uh, play the voicemail from you and then I'll respond. So take it away, caller.
2: Hi, Meg. Um, just wanted to give this a shot. Um... You know, I, I guess I really wanted to talk about this experience, kind of of what I'm doing right now, which is kind of talking into the void or, or feeling like there's no one really around to either listen or, or to really take in what you're saying. Um, and I don't know whether you feel that a similar experience doing the podcast right now, um, but it feels like right now with COVID and um, everything that's going on, if your are messaging, if, you're, if your content isn't geared towards that, then you are just talking into a void. And I think that was really important at the beginning when we were combating misinformation and just lies. But I think now that this new normal has been established, um, you know, it is important to talk about other stuff and what else exists beyond COVID and how this has affected our lives. Um, and I guess my question is kind of um, to you, uh you know what is there to talk about is there Is there anything to talk about that isn't COvid related um, And if there isn't, then that's kind of a bummer. but if there is you know i would would love some ideas because um, it just feels uh that the conversation is inevitable at this point, that it always circles back to COVID. Um, But curious as to what your thoughts are.
0: This is a really interesting point, and I completely agree. Um, For the first few weeks, I was sinking into everything that was happening. I was totally enthralled with the news and staying up to date and staying informed. And just becoming aware of everything was that was going on. There was so much, and everything was changing. So I was trying to stay on top of it all, and it became extremely overwhelming. And it uh, didn't allow me to be productive at all. It you know it was hard for me to focus on anything else. It was just taking up my entire brain space. And I think the same is true for most people. But. I think that, as the time has gone on, everything just has started to feel a little bit more normalized for me at least. and what I a practice that I've started to do is um, my theory is that if I just stop looking at the news, everything gets a little bit better. and so for the past three weeks, I have mostly stayed completely away from news. and I do that because I know that I am, you know, not putting myself in danger. I'm staying isolated. I'm not putting anybody else in danger. So if I'm following all the rules, um, to keep myself and those around me safe and healthy, then, um, I'm just going to stay off the news, which means that staying off of social media a lot. And, and I have largely reduced my social media intake because of that, because it was making me not feel so great because it was all COVID related. And, This is an interesting point that you're making because I agree and I think other people are agreeing with this too because I actually just met with a PR agency who is going to be helping me with my other podcast, my comedy mindfulness podcast, Sit There and Do Nothing. And what they were telling me is that What people really want right now, what the media really wants right now is actually um, not COVID-related content, but rather um, something that takes them out of that for a little bit but is sensitive to what's going on. So rather than it being so COVID-related that it drags you down and pulls you down and makes you sad again and reminds you about this new reality that's so terrible, things that lift you up and put you back and make you feel good again, but are at least sensitive to what you're feeling right now. And that's really why I made the meditation podcast um, in the first place, but it is to make people feel lighter and brighter. But it's also why I'm so excited about that business and that podcast right now and this podcast too, because it is catering to your emotions and what you're feeling right now, but it's also giving you a sense of lightness and helping you shine and help lift you up and make you feel a little bit better for just a little bit of time. And so I, I, you know, I implore a lot of you to think about what you can do or talk about or make or ingest right now that isn't a hundred percent COVID related because you deserve a break. It's taking over your life and career in every aspect, so you deserve a little bit of break in an area that you can control, and that's your free time, right? So what I'm doing is I'm trying to make and do and create and ingest stuff that is sensitive to what I'm feeling and what the world is feeling right now, but isn't 100% related to it, right? Because we deserve a little bit of a break. Well, that's it for this episode of Overtime and Half Mercy. That was quite a quite an episode. Um, I laughed, I cried. I cried before recording. I cried during recording. <laughs> but hey, now I feel amazing, um, and it's all thanks to you. It's good to lean on your friends when you need to, and you are all my friends. You're my friend, so I appreciate it. And keep those hotline f- phone calls coming. The phone number is one eight three three D E Z I G N Z, or the tra- you know what that translates to numbers as well, like a normal phone number, which is one eight three 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 nine four four six nine and i promise you i won't answer no one will answer just a robot will so call and leave anything what's going on in your mind what you're worried about tell me what your taco bell order is it doesn't matter leave a voicemail and your recording plus my thoughts might be on a future episode of Overtime. So if you want to continue the conversation on the internet, use the hashtag Dribble Overtime. If you want to follow me or tweet or tag Instagram me, my handle is at your buddy Meg. Or go to MegLewis.com to learn more about me. All right. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye now. Hear me next week.